Rodeo season is going to be kicking off soon, and you know I I like the rodeo. I like going to the rodeo. I like going to cattle auctions and all sorts of those activities. And I want to look the part while I'm there. I love Tecovis as my go-to boots company. And if you've ever been in one of their stores, it's an amazing experience. Their motto is "Don't go gently." They are my favorite cowboy boot. And they bring a fresh perspective to heritage boot making, and they carry forward all those time-honored traditions and quality you will find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they're innovative on comfort, style, and service. They have western boots for men and women and are handmade from the most premium leather and follow over 200 time-honored individual steps in their boot-making process. Pretty cool. They're Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade. And if you want to go to one of their stores, it is an amazing experience. They take customer service to a whole new level. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. And as a special opportunity just for you listeners, Tecovis is going to throw in their best-selling trucker hats or a ball cap for free into any purchase over $100 at tecovis.com. Just use the code ADVENTURE at checkout. Again, that's Tecovis, T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout to add a free hat to your order over $100. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If I was to ask you where the longest annual paddle race in the world is, you'd probably think of places that were along, you know, the the longest rivers in the world, you know, the Amazon or the Nile or the Yellow River, Yangtze or something that's that's uh somewhere epic in the biggest landscapes in the world. But the answer is The longest annual paddle race in the world is actually in Alabama. Yes, the state of Alabama that's, you know, known for football and being in the deep south of the U.S. and uh, known, known for a lot of other things too. But yeah, isn't that crazy? And it goes, the race basically goes from one corner of Alabama to the opposite corner all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. And it's called the Alabama 650. And we've, and it's 650 miles. We've had the founder of that race, Greg Wingo, on the show before uh, to talk about it and to promote it. And today we are talking to John Nippers, who is a friend of mine, uh, but also is the first person to finish that race on a paddleboard. And why that's so cool is because there's rapids, there's rocks, there's so much to deal with. There's lakes and boats and gators and uh, ships even once you get closer to the bay, um, the Mobile Bay that is. And it is just a heck of a feat of adventure to do that while standing up on a paddleboard. And why I'm intrigued by that is paddleboarding is my sport of choice these days. I love it. Uh, it's equivalent to hiking 
on the water. It's like that kind of speed and pace and sensation. And what what's neat about that is, you know, here in Florida, it's a lot more interesting than hiking because hiking here is very flat and sandy and, and hot, but the water at least is, is cooler. There's different animals right there. It's just, a, it's, it's amazing. And it's often only accessible by water, a lot of the things you see in the rivers here. So I was really intrigued by this. But another reason we're talking about it is this weekend, like this weekend coming up, I'm going to see John Nippers at the last paddler standing. You might remember that last year I was one of the commentators for that race. And what it is, it's a paddleboard race, basically a 5K loop around this man-made lake in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, that's a rowing facility, uh, but they do this 5K loop every hour on the hour, all the racers. And you just have to do that till there's one paddler left. And last year, it lasted almost 50 hours. So it was two solid days around the clock, 24-7. Once that hour hand strikes zero, you got to be on your paddleboard, ready to race, uh, ready to go around the lap. And you finish around 40, 45 minutes. So you get about 15 minutes rest. And at that next hour, right on top of the hour, you got to go again. So these racers, including John, did that for almost 50 hours. And John... John Nippers here came in second place, and it was amazing. And and Paolo from uh from France went ahead and finished. Actually, is he Italian? I'll check on that. But if you want to watch this year and hear me commentate on it, uh, go to the show notes. We're gonna have a live stream the entire time, round the clock. I'm gonna be doing a lot of the day shift, and we're gonna have night shift stuff. Uh, but we're going to be going round the clock watching them uh, paddle, doing interviews, talking to their families, talking to the racers as they drop out or as they rest, and uh, going out with them on the boat. It's going to be a lot of fun. So be ready uh, and watch that. It's going to be it's going to be great, and you're going to be able to hear from me. You're going to be able to ask questions. It's very you know like it's not inaccessible. You can get involved as much as you want. So. Come watch Last Paddler Standing if you happen to be in the Sarasota area at Nathan Benderson Park starting Saturday, December 2nd at 9 a.m. Come on by. Stop by at any point. Uh, we had so many people stop in. I'm going to have free athletic brewing there. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, but that'll be a chance to meet me, see some of this cool race, and meet John Nippers, this legend. I mean, he's got some crazy stories, and we didn't even get to dive into his backstory, unfortunately. That was my fault as an interviewer, and uh, his story is wild, and paddleboarding is what keeps him going. So, uh, yeah, enjoy this interview. Go do the Alabama 650 if you if you got what it takes, and uh, come come watch at least virtually on our live stream the uh, last paddler standing. All right, let's dive in. We're doing it. We are making it happen, man. It must. Where are you at? It looks you're in a tank top. It looks nice outside, man. It's 80, 81 today. Yeah, I don't know if you can see. This is my uh, this is my new river spot. So I've been working on clearing. Um, heck, man, that's what my training has been. A lot of it, you know, <laughs> just just work. Yeah, working on this land, you know, working on the cliff. It's an eighty foot cliff. Are you down to that water. Yeah, it's eighty. It's an eighty-foot vertical 
rise. Like I got theoretically, you could jump into the river from my backyard. Like I haven't done that yet, and somebody died doing it like thirty years ago or something. So I'm not going to probably do it, but <laughs> but I mean, it's tempting. Crazy man, yeah, that's tempting, but that's that's like a da- that's getting dangerous right there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to when I do jump off it because I will. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it, it's not going to be from 80. I'm going to, I'm going to repel down to about 40. There's, there's a ledge or two that, I mean, at least I'm not going from 80 feet. No way. <laughs> yeah. I've been oh. working on just like, I've got some brush, um, lopper deals and a bunch of repelling gear, safety harnesses and stuff like that. And I've been shimmying down the edges of a cliff and getting rid of poison sumac and poison oak and that's been like my my recovery uh, uh, your recovery and your training my yes my recovery and my training for last battler yeah because uh you know i have to let my muscles rest a little bit from uh from the alabama 650 i did Jack last week 31 mile actually it's 32 down the tennessee river gorge i've been doing that going back and forth to Chattanooga eight, eight times in a row. I've gone back there to do that, but doing Chattajack was hard. I felt, I felt like I wasn't ready for that yet. Even though it's only 31 miles, you know, 32, it, it, it was, um, my arms. I just felt like my, my muscles weren't, weren't recovered. Even after doing what, 20 times that with the 650? 21. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd keep track of that too. I'd be Some like, hey, 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 closer, yeah, closer to. Yeah. Get you, let, let me correct you right there. Oh no, it's funny. Um, people don't think you know. People that are in the ultra distance only world, they don't think of it as being a big deal. But it, it is like a sprint race. You know, like if you're doing sprints, you're going all out. And and in Chattajack, the competition. So I mean, there's 600 and something people, and you wanna you wanna turn out and, and do the best you can you've got six hours or you know 31 miles to, to do your best you could you don't have room for little little errors or drink breaks and stuff like you know sit down and have a sandwich you, you know yeah yeah i mean if you're doing a hundred mile ultra run it's similar to like sprinting five miles or a 5k say and i mean that that'll wear anybody out you know no matter how fit if you're sprinting that it's only gonna wear you out you get about halfway through, you start, you're sprinting for, say, three hours. All of a sudden, you know, and I know you're supposed to pace yourself, but it's hard. It's hard to pace yourself. Well, I tell you what, man, let me, let me hit record, and we'll just jump right in. We keep this very conversational. I'll officially welcome you. Uh, John Nippers, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Hey, it's going It's going great, Mason. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. So we were talking about the... Uh, cliff in the backyard 80 feet down to the river and i that, that just it doesn't look like it because i you know i'm it's on a, a a little camera but you said you're you're gonna do it at some point but wh- where are you i didn't even ask where that is where are you right now i am in the northeast corner of oklahoma you're from there right i was born in oklahoma yes lived in oklahoma a good probably portion of maybe half of my life i lived in hawaii for seven and a half eight years Colorado for three this though is when I bought I bought a house here in 1997 um just a block from Grand Lake of the Cherokee which is a 1300 mile of shoreline lake 
here in the northeast corner of Oklahoma. And uh, a lot of people come to Grand Lake of the Cherokee for like, uh, it's a vacation home kind of a place. Um, but I just happened to get a really, really good deal on a place across the street from the lake in 97. I was raking leaves for my dad uh, who had a lake house on a cliff. And uh, and so I stumbled into a guy selling a house that night at a at a tavern and, and uh, followed him over to the house, looked at it and bought it the next day. And and so I've been kind of an owner of a, of a home since 97 and it, and I bought it so cheap. I know this is crazy, but I, I paid that thing off in a year. <laughs> oh my God. And so for for twenty five, uh, see ninety seven, yeah, almost twenty five years. I've I've owned a house. I've been a you know had no mortgage. This place I just recently bought on the river here. It's like literally two miles away from the other other spot and the way the crow flies. But it's my. Uh, it's my training ground in the backyard here. This is where I've been paddling and training for these races and training, you know, giving lessons, doing tours, bald eagle tours and things like that, uh, sharing what uh, paddleboarding has been to, to me, to others down here. And uh, I paddled by this this bluff that I, I just recently purchased for like the last seven years going you know, oh, I got to take a picture here. This is so beautiful. You know, this this cliff and the dog looks cool with the cliff to the right and all that. And I I just stumbled onto a guy at a convenience store maybe three, four or five months ago that um, and I was like, hey, you know, any, I'm looking for a waterfront place. I've really been wanting to kind of have something on the water. And he was like, man, there's a place right across the street from me. And so <laughs> I uh, I came over and looked at it the next day. And and it was just overgrown. You couldn't really see the river. The trees are all blocking the view and everything. But I knew because I'm paddling by this thing for seven years, like what majestic cliff this thing is on top of. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so, I I uh, I just kind of uh, I couldn't hardly get it out of my mind. I had to figure out a way to get it. What, and, what's um, the it name of the river? The name of the river is the Grand River. Um, it's also known as the Neosho River, which is the bigger river. Grand is is the specific little leg that's right behind here um, that I'm technically on. It's the Grand because the Neosho is a river that was dammed to make Grand Lake. And then this is coming out of Grand Lake. So it's called the Grand River, but it actually is the Neosho River uh, in the big picture. Like, it's just dammed a few times. And eventually this river leads to the Arkansas, which ends up going to the Mississippi and then, you know. Oh, wow. So you're, you know, it goes, it goes back east. So what's, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about this. Cause I, you know, I don't meet a ton of people from Oklahoma and uh, it just, it seems like one of those places that I think is probably has so much more to offer than the average person believes it does and yeah when i hear you talk about it and the people i know that live there i'm like man oklahoma sounds like it has some just hidden gems all over the place and it's so open yeah yeah so to me i mean this part particular area of the state i would say is definitely in diamond in the rough people people around this region of the united states know about it of course but 
like a lot of people just pass through the majority of Oklahoma and don't really think there's a whole lot to offer. There's a small little mountain range in the central part of the state. But up here in the northeast corner and all along the, the eastern side of the state is some some small little, um, well, it's, it's just greener. It's um, There's more water. There's more water in Oklahoma. I think there's more shoreline in Oklahoma than the whole west coast. There's a lot of lakes here, the big ones. Big lakes, um, big lakes. Yeah. And so um, I think, you know, that's 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 why I uh, I hosted a race here in September on Labor Day weekend. Um, one, I'd like to tap into the people that come here for the holidays. Thousands of people come here for the holidays and and they do boating. But there's not a whole lot of paddling on in, in this area, really, like people in Missouri paddle a lot, people in Arkansas. But in this northeast corner, it's like most people just at Grand Lake. Most people just come here for like the 4th of July, big time firework parties, big time holiday weekend parties. And they're boat boaters, like big boats with a lake that has 1,300 miles of shoreline. You've got you've got some big, fancy, multi-million dollar yachts up there, you know, and uh, and um, people really just paddle boarding is something they do in the backs of their coves and, uh, you know, maybe drink a beer and and not really as you know something that is is a fitness i do it for well for therapy but also for like the, the fitness aspect it's like being outside in nature it's just uh it's, it's the only way to work out and if it's the gym can't be a positive thing or something but anyhow um, how'd you get into paddle boarding because and, and I'll, I'll, let me ask this are you when you're out there and especially in your area are you one of the only folks doing it y- you know yeah, I'm kind of known one of the few people, like somebody I just ran into a bar. I, I was having a burger. I paddled over to a restaurant because on the lake, there's restaurants you can paddle to. And uh, I hopped in across the street, carried my board. Actually, my car was having, I was having some car trouble that day. So I thought, well, I can walk across the street and paddle. Paddled over to this Mooney Sunset Bar and Grill. It's the only person in there. And so this one guy comes in and I said, yeah, it's a nice day. And uh, I paddled over here on my stand-up paddleboard. He was like, hey. Are you the guy that did the Alabama 650? <laughs> that Alabama thing? And so it's funny. Yeah, like, I guess being one of the only people that over the years they've seen paddleboarding across the lake or, you know, with three dogs or something, I guess people do kind of know me around here as the, the guy that, that paddles. Being one of the few yeah. people. Not and, only the guy the, that paddleboards, but the guy that has three or four dogs on there at the same time i mean it's crazy man how, how long of a board do you have to have to have four dogs you know i had four dogs on a 12-6 uh <laughs> that's what i have that yeah, is crazy no, my first my first four dog uh paddle was on a 12-6 and then i think i i got this tandem body glove cheapy thing off ebay just for you know because it was such a cheap deal i i bought this thing and um, it's been a lot of fun for the dogs, you know, 15 foot by 20 or a 32 inch wide um, cheapy board. But man, the dogs, four dogs on there, it's like plenty of room. That's uh, wild. And do, how, do yeah. they like it? Did it take a little getting used to? I tried to take my dog who's, who's about, you know, pretty small, should be fine, but she doesn't like it. What'd you do? You know, the they just mine kind of liked it from the get go. I mm. think they just they just took to it. I started with one, and then and then added two, and then then there was three. Um, 
Yeah, it was just, I guess, maybe the year last, maybe it was last year that I did four. Oh, I don't know. Dude, might have been I'm looking four. at pictures now. I'll, I'll be sure to uh, share a picture because that is awesome. Well, John, you've got just tons of adventures you've done and tons of things that have happened. I'm sure you could tell us all about, you know, just countless stories of just the last week or two. You're such a great storyteller. Um, then I know we could talk about last paddler standing till till we're blue in the face but what i i think is the most interesting or like the most unique thing about what you've recently done is the alabama 650 i want to hear about it we had greg wingo wingo on the show before to talk about you know what how how it got started and what it is but you led the charge in in completing it on a paddleboard never been done tell us about it a little bit man that that is a heck of an adventure yeah that one is it's even hard for me to wrap my own brain around the fact that I did do that. Like, really? I think part of me had to come out of body and, and so that I wouldn't actually feel the, the, the pain sometimes because your whole body is hurting sometimes. Parts of your body you didn't ever think would hurt that way, you know? When did um, the pain start? The night before? <laughs> <laughs> anxiety maybe a little bit more but um yeah no the pain probably didn't really get bad until oh well emotional pain started right at the beginning like i'll tell you that like in the very first 30 miles of it you're feeling like what am i have i got myself into here like this this first 30 miles has has beaten me up like I'm paddling through five inches of water, this rocky stuff, canoes and kayaks, you know, they're, they're getting through this stuff because they don't have a, have a, well, I'm sure there was, they were carrying their boats too and parts of it. But I mean, you were having to like stumble over rocks and, and carry, carry your, I was carrying my paddleboard, you know, and just grinding the bottom of it, like going two miles an hour. I mean, I don't know what my average speed was in that zone. I have to go back and look. But it was it was like, what have I signed up for here? You know, like and um, and then I got past that and there was never really anything ever shallow like that ever again. Um, Not that shallow. Like there was a sandy shallow spot, maybe five days into it. But but to answer your question about the physical pain, it really didn't start. Well, I guess some of it you're, you're probably I'm already stubbing my toe and 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 hurting parts of my feet, you know walking in rocks but the real pain where like every part of you is completely inflamed is about is is like waking up after the second day which the second day is 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 brutal um i mean you're you're paddling through this couple of lakes that are just full of boat traffic and you know it, it these waves are coming up against the the shore and coming back at you. So there's multiple times I'm falling in. But at the same time, people are also sometimes passing me on a on a on a pontoon boat and, and saying, hey, we're following you. That's really cool. So it's like this little bit of encouragement is kind of happening at the same time. So mm-hmm. you know you you do uh, it's rough, but then there's also this like, yeah, you know, you know that you're the first you're attempting to become the first person to ever do this thing. That's that's something that nobody can ever do again. You know, like well, yeah. I mean, 
I mean, and actually do it, but um, it won't be the first. After that second day, which I'll never forget, like the last little leg, I had to paddle 26 miles, unknown territory. I just ported it around a dam, you know, at, at midnight. We get there, they drop me off. I'm starting to get into the water, and I've got this 26-mile leg before I'll see my ground crew again, which is what the the only place, well, that you can stop along this whole 26-mile thing. And, you know, you're exhausted because you've paddled for now, I don't know, 36, 40, 36 hours or something straight, 40, uh, somewhere Jeez. in there. And it, it's like uh, I did sleep an hour and a half the first night, like maybe maybe an hour, actually, hour to an hour and a half. Um so you're exhausted, and you're going into this unknown territory. There's nobody really around you. You, you know, it's it's kind of wild, and you know that there's alligators and things like that. And uh, I just I just get into the water, and it's like again, for about the first fifty feet, there was shallow. Like I'm bumping my fin and stuff. So there was. I got to go back on my words. Like I actually did have this. I don't know, 100 yards or 50 yards of shallow. And I'm, I'm like yelling back to these people. I'm like, hey, is this going to get deeper? Because the water, I guess they had released water earlier that day and it wasn't like that. So the people that are like guiding me into it, yeah, again, no, for, no flow for me. Like I literally had 15 miles of current the whole 650 miles. That's that's how it was. People might think that the Alabama 650 is is easy because they call these things rivers because they're in the shape of them <laughs> but they're really not moving water all the time unless unless you just get lucky um where there's heavy rains but anyhow that first that first few minute or something i'm thinking what am i doing here getting into this at night should i be doing this because you you know you you can pace yourself a little you got 10 days to do it but um that's still you know you never know what kind of things are going to happen to slow you down down the road. So you want to make as much progress as you can in the beginning. And so I go for it. And uh, that that 26 miles was, was I mean, it got after that 50, 50 feet of shallow rocky stuff, it got deep. And I never had any more shallow stuff. But uh, yeah, it was it was a long, probably at least five hours to do that 26 miles. I don't think I was even doing Maybe I was doing five miles an hour sometimes, but it, it, it was really weird. You're so exhausted. It's hard to do what normally you'd be able to do, even though you want to get it over with. It's like doing five miles an hour was very hard on this. Mm -hmm. um, and and if you did it, you were really proud of yourself because because it was just uh, it was just that hard. You know, you, one you, you, I think you trained, how similar or different was it to the river you were training on in Oklahoma? Because, you know, I've never done those parts of Alabama, but yeah, I don't even know what to expect, really. Well, um, I mean, as far as, I guess in any river, you know, th there's a lot of similarities to, to this one in, in the Alabama, I'd say. But, and I do a lot of my paddling at night, which, you know, made paddling at night not some new experience, you know, I do, a, I do a lot of night paddling. I enjoy it, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it was very similar throughout the course. Um, there's a lot of similar similarities, but the beauty of the Alabama Phoenix trail, I gotta say is, is something that 
I was blown away how how with how beautiful the scenery was and the things things that were growing along the sides of the river and the trees and and just some of the bluffs and it, it's um yeah it was it was definitely beautiful and I mean this little area right behind my my spot here is is a beautiful leg of of the river but I I remember finishing this race and that was a beautiful thing moment finishing the Alabama six fifty and talking about it a little bit to the the people that that were there to greet me at the finish line that was that was an emotional but very cool thing that so many people were there at 11 p.m when i finished but i told them you know like i have a a pretty beautiful spot that i i train and i live by but you know the the scenery on like three quarters of that scenic uh trail was uh just kind of blew my own backyard away it's how beautiful it was Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. The iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing. The interior is built with robust materials and integrity, and the capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Durability has been tested to the extreme. Cargo capacity means you have room for all your gear. All this meaning to drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. And there's also powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system to keep you connected. And also the innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And the entire Defender family is ready for a wide range of adventures. They have the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. So push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell anything online at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million dollars in revenue stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're a podcaster trying to sell merch or selling autographed sports memorabilia, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one commerce platform to their personal POS system, Shopify has got you covered. Now, I do use Shopify with my day job. That's our website, and that's our platform. It's so handy. It makes it easy for us on the back end. It makes it easy for you as a shopper and as a customer to sell more. And they can help you all the way from those early, early days until you're a real business, making real money. And that's what I love about them. No matter how big you want to grow, they can grow with you and help you take control your business to get it to that next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ASP, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash ASP to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ASP. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. I feel like it was, <clears throat> I've always wanted to ask that, you know, it, it's, you're going day and night on a 650 mile route. How much of it was surprisingly different than you expect? 
uh, because it's not a region of the area that gets talked about, and it just sounds like it was overwhelmingly beautiful a lot of the time. I I mean, I would highly encourage people to just to just paddle that whole thing sometime. Maybe break it up into little sections. You know, it was that it was that cool. It's definitely a till you really got down to the very end, and even that's kind of beautiful in its own way. But um, the ocean part, but the river in the in the majority of of that and the lakes. I know. I guess it's lots of lakes. I was I was surprised. I couldn't believe how many, you know. Some of the sections where there's, well, you knew you were getting to a lake when all of a sudden there's boat docks everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. and um, or or starting to pop up along the sides of the shore. But yeah, there was there was just a a lot of beauty. As you got into this, because it was a total of what seven days. It took me. It took me what I would call nine days. Like it was eight full days. And then, and then a ninth day that I still paddled 15 hours. So I would say it's a, it was a nine day deal for me. I mean, they, they break it down and say I finished eight, eight days and eight hours because there's a little bit of a deduction mm-hmm. on the foraging. Um, you get 45 minutes back onto your time. So it's kind of, I don't know, it almost, it, it's cool when you think, okay, I did it in only eight days and eight hours, but it, it really, it, it's more than that. It feels like, you know, that's undercutting it. <laughs> I was surprised when Greg tells me that, hey, you did it in eight days and eight hours. I'm like, is that right? How? But, you know, I'm kind of. You're like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Man. So so how, how um you know, challenging, what do you think kind of some of the unique challenges are for a paddleboarder doing this versus like a kayaker or someone else? Like, is it the fact you're standing up or just, you know, you're on your feet or you're not in a comfortable position all the time? Or is that an advantage? Cause you can get to adjust things a little bit more. Like how, how did you feel a paddleboard in that experience? was, was different than folks who do, do it. I don't know, quote the normal way. Well, I think what makes it harder one. Yeah. You're standing all, all the time. And if you're not, you know, standing, there was some, there was some times when I was knee paddling, but, but I mean, standing that much, you're going to go swimming a lot more too. You're going <laughs> to fall off. You're going to hit stuff and little bitty bumps of a, of a, of a log, you know, and you're flying off your board on a daily basis. So there's, there's that. So there's also a little bit of, you, you kind of got to be concerned about falling in the wrong places you know like you don't really want to be swimming around with with the 14 foot alligators <laughs> did you see a lot i honestly did not see i mean i was always looking but i i uh i didn't see any i did take a wrong turn in the spot where i knew that they were uh more heavily where one guy in front of me said uh i called him i said hey where's that section you know that's pretty hairy and uh, he told me, um, and I took a wrong turn in that spot, and I and I'm going in this in another river that's a little bitty kind of a creek. I'm doing a I'm kind of going around a little sandy point, and looking like man, I know this is this is alligator hangout, right? This is definitely a spot, and there's bubbles coming up out of the water, you know, like underneath, and I'm like, just get through this place, you know. I know. 
that's probably where they were kind of letting some water, uh, letting some air out. So I know that, yeah, you don't want to fall right there. Heck no. <laughs> you don't, I mean, you know, it, maybe you want to fall at times to cool off and whatnot, but um, not, not right there, man. Not right there. So, so I was going to say, no. you know, when it, when it, when the river, that's one nice thing about being on a river is you, you know where you're going most of the time. But man, you you start zooming in on some of these waterways, and it's not exactly clear where to go. Where to go? What? How did you navigate? What was that like? Did you have a GPS, you know, tracker or something to to make sure you are on course, especially with these uh, reservoirs? You you do kind of think you you get to thinking you know what you're doing, and that's why all of a sudden I'm a half a mile off course because it felt like I was going the right direction, and I'm periodically checking my gps which i use a garmin phoenix 7x solar color mapping and all that and i could download the gpx file on on my watch and i think it's a it's the way to go definitely i mean i think if you're into this stuff you you want you want the garmin watch even though it is about a thousand bucks brand new you know it it eliminates a lot of like having to hold this extra device that you got to charge and you know uses lots of battery most of these guys are using like a handheld garmin uh 86i or 66i or the sci they're all good but that's an extra thing you got to keep charged and i mean unless you have the ones that have their in reach technology which that's not a bad thing to have i suppose if you're minimal if you're doing it like minimal weight minimal charging simple the phoenix 7x you know it's just it's just great but that being said it's a small little screen you've got to keep an eye on it once in a while and um stay stay on it and it doesn't take long to be you know five minutes is all it takes or, or two minutes one minute you, know, you look if you're not looking when it forks and you just didn't think it did yeah and it's sometimes it's at night one one of the times i'm on a lake it had been it had been a river uh well actually I think that one was a lake that just kind of felt like a river the whole time. But I, yeah, I got a half a mile off course and all of a sudden I'm getting a phone call. I had, I had um, already looked at my watch and was like, oh shoot. You know, and you're exhausted. I've been paddling 18, 20 hours that day or something. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it was, it was probably 20, maybe even 21 hours that I've been paddling. And and, I, and now I've hit a wrong turn. I've gone a half a mile out of the way. It, that's pretty tough when you think you just wasted energy. <laughs> like you, you just don't have energy to waste in this situation, really. You know, it's like every mile, every every, every little tenth of a mile that, you know, you waste, you, you, you can get upset about that. I know I was pretty uh, bummed when I did it. And then it, it, it was a learning uh, curve with my watches. I'd never gotten off course before in my life. So all of a sudden I've got off course and now, now the little Garmin Phoenix 7X Solar uh, Sapphire is, is a little bit smaller read trying to figure it out. And it's got the touch screen too. So I'm trying to pan it over and find where did I miss my turn? I just found out. I mean, I realized that if I, if I turned the course off and started it back up again, that it gave me, it, it helped. And then you think, okay, well, I'm not going to let that happen again. And then that last time, that was, 
it was day eight for me when I took another t- wrong turn and somebody else took a wrong turn in the same same race. Actually, Trey Reeves that won it, he ended up taking a split and he'd done it before too. But it, it just just a little bit the wrong way, I think, because it, it doesn't seem like it seems like it's going to go to the right. And, and there's this little thing to the left. The GPS is the only way. You have to have that. Yeah, absolutely. What was maybe one of the most wild things to happen? Something maybe that went wrong on this experience or something that got close to going awry. Any, any close calls of any sort? Oh, man. Too many to count? <laughs> I, that's, that's a, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of, We've hit a couple of the big ones, you know, that, that I felt like were significant emotionally. I'd say, I know the toughest, and it's not really the exact question that you asked, but the toughest thing was definitely the last 18 miles. Mm, why is that? It, it was, well, you, your last 50 miles is in the ocean. Yes, you're, you're kind of hugging the, uh, the coast there. Yes. On the, the east side of the Mobile Bay, really. The, it's the bay and um you know you're hugging it but you're not hugging hugging it too tight because it's, it's a little bit shallow in some of that left spot and so yeah uh the, the first 32 miles of it were for me weren't incredibly tough i fell a few times for sure it was it was really windy there was there was a heavy heavy wind you know but it was mostly from behind um and i guess it didn't it didn't start out the first maybe 15 miles weren't that heavy i was still doing it on my uh my uh speedboard and but i was falling down it, it was you know because it's a 24 inch wide really like a 21 inch water line and um and it, it just was radical for for the ocean a little too near could you switch boards yes so yeah you that's the other neat thing about this race um is that you aren't bound to one and so I brought, I brought three. I brought, I brought the Nello speedboard bullet 17 uh, inflatable. So I could use that for the, the rapids. There is a rapid section, seven miles of rapids, which it, it, that would be in the 15 miles of current, but it's still not like you get going super speeds. It's rapids. You're like, you know, being careful and taking, taking your time. It's just an elevation change that creates this thing. And I guess a little bit of a release does it, but um, yeah, the bullet came in handy on that section. I also had a infinity 19 foot by 23 that I used only 44 miles in the, in my, I think it was day five or six. My legs were just getting so, so tired of standing on that. The speedboard was wearing me out and um, great board fast but there's just no way to uh oh well i mean you're just standing all the all the time and uh this one particular board i brought infinity um 23 inch wide not a dugout it's really stable for a 23 and so to give my legs a little bit of a break in in uh, a small 14 or 15 mile section i used it one night to just test it out it's a little bit slower but uh, it gave me kind of a, a little bit of a, a rest, and that helped. And then the next morning, I decided to go ahead. It was all rigged with my spot tracker. Go ahead and use it one more time for another 30 miles. But it just wasn't as fast, and I switched back to the, to the other board. 
and I, and that probably is why I I did take a wrong turn. I'm I'm trying to beat that spot where I know there's lots of where the, there's heavy uh, gators, and one had actually hit and bumped into Trey's boat doing a roll underwater. I'm like, you know, that's not what you want to be doing at nighttime. You know, that's the section you want to try to get that done during the day. And uh, so I got on, the, I got back on my speedboard and just pumped it. And I was doing six miles an hour on day six, no current. I'm pumping it hard because I got four hours to make it 20 miles. Actually, I had three and a half hours to make it like before dark. And so, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm pumping it about six miles an hour, you know, because it's just like, I cannot do this part at night. You know, I'm not, not doing that. I, I, it could be another reason why I'm just totally, totally in zone four or five miss the turn. <laughs> Talk about bummed out, man. You've been hammering it for two hours straight, like a sprint. And, and, um, and just went up another three tenths of a mile or something out of the way, you know, at least maybe, maybe even almost a mile total round trip. <clears throat> what what gets news, you back on track in those moments? Cause you know, I've, I've had, Oh, you just, you just, I don't know. You just have to. Cause you know, Alabama six fifty. I mean, last paddler stating last year, we saw Alex who missed his, uh, waking up time for, for the hour mark. And, uh, I remember him saying, I'm going to give myself, you know, five minutes or whatever it was of, of being upset. And then he's like, I'm done. I'm done. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool strategy. I like that. But, you know, do you, do you have anything like that you do or is it just you deal with it moment by moment? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're mad at yourself for a little bit. I don't know what you do, but just you just put your head down and just pound it, you know, and just keep going. That's kind of how you have to do the whole race, though. You know, just it's just uh, little things are happening all the time, like falling in, hitting stumps in the middle of the lake, like it's the middle of the lake. And you're you're just feeling real good about like maybe you got a little small little breeze behind you or something in that moment. And then, boom, you're in the water. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're in a two mile wide spot of the lake. That's and you're like, what is a stump doing out here? Yeah. And how does how has a boat not hit this yet? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you know that boats have gone down probably out there, especially if they don't know. You don't know this is you know this is your first time out on that lake. You know that was a uh, a lot of places. So there was there was another oh crap moment in the middle of the night. That time I did take the other board to kind of rest my rest my legs a little bit. Uh, I I got into that. A, a little shallowy sandy area where if I would go too far to the right or left, you know, I'd be, I'd be sc scooping sand with my with my paddle. I mean, again, you, you always know that there's alligators, especially the further you get down towards the end. And this is like day six for me. They're more probable, you know, and you get a little freaked out when you're hitting sand and or just shallow water like that. And, I pop on my headlight and I'd look around, but no eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, that was about a mile or two of, of a little bit trippy. I'll tell you what, too, just all throughout the race, you know, you're sleep deprived. 
Yeah, you, what, would you would you sleep like twenty hours the whole seven eight days, eight days? I mean, you, yeah, I I I think the whole the whole eight days I probably slept less than well less than thirty. I figure I figure probably twenty eight hours something like that, like three hours a day. So what starts you to know, happen yeah. in that long of a race? Had had you ever had an experience like that before, where it was that long, um, that many days of sleep deprivation? No. No, I've done the MR340 three times, and that's, you know, I would consider this race like doing three of those. You're, and, and on the night of the second day, you know, you're, you're starting to have people all the time are talking about hallucinations and stuff. There is nothing like, I don't in any of those other, anything I've ever done that has, uh, has put me into the place where you're so tired and, you know, just tripping on, you know, because you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're hallucinating like just all throughout like day three, not all throughout, but I mean, a lot at night, day three, four or five, because that's when the, the, the sleep deprivation really has taken a toll on you. Mm. Um, towards the end of the race, I did start sleeping a little bit more just out of, you know, I'm, I, I needed to sleep more than, than three hours. The first two nights, I had less than three hours. Night three probably a little and i and i meant one in the first night like an hour and 15 20 minutes second night like an hour and 30 40 minutes at night three i probably slept double what i'd slept those first two so we're still under six hours of sleep in three days the first three that's where it really starts to hit you and uh you know you're you're just from there, like never recovered what little sleep you get, or even if you slept a little bit more than you did the day before, it, it's still, you're just, you're, you're tired. So you're having to crank on some, some kind of a B12 caffeinated, you know, five hour energy shot or something. Yeah. Like I started, I started getting it, tapping into those things. And uh, because my normal routine is, is a good nutritious uh beverage um and and food um you know that has beet powder and vitamins and protein and i was taking little you know every day at least hitting turmeric and glucosamine and um what else was i i I would take a multivitamin sometimes um i think every day but uh but yeah that's none of that it's just not enough you, you, you need at some point, you, you have to have some caffeine and some B12 all throughout. I was using these little gummies, too, that were that were pretty high in B12 or B vitamins. Um, but, yeah, um, about halfway through the five hour energies became something I told, you know, my ground crew, I, I we're going to have to get some have a few of these a day. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> I know they say you're not supposed to have more than three a day. I think probably I was almost maxing that out for sure. Um, or maybe it's two a day, they say. But yeah. With the last paddler standing, you had you had a moment where you got a cheeseburger. Is that am I remember that right? And you were you were back. You yeah. were in it, baby. Was yeah. there anything you ate? Was there anything that was like. I'm ready now. I just had me a uh, blank and I'm like, I'm good to go. Was there a cheeseburger comeback? You know, I'll, I gotta say this. 
my my ground crew was the Alexi who did Last Tyler Standing was my ground crew, and he he just took the best care of me that any human being on the planet could ever do. Like I gotta say, that is a huge just him in general to answer that question. It wasn't one specific thing, but he just all throughout the the event kept you know doing things that would just help me out of the funk. Sometimes I wouldn't be able to eat eat right when he would give me something. He he just tried so hard mm-hmm. to do it. You know, cheeseburger, uh, French fries. Uh, um, you know, sometimes I I didn't feel like eating some of the stuff that like the fries in the moment he gave them to me, you know, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, no one particular moment of, of, a, of a type of food, but this is a different, different deal. This is a marathon, you know, compared to that, that the last pile of standing is still, still the sprint version of this, you know, like that's, that's little, I remember thinking after I did 160 miles, I've, I've paddled two days in a row. I was four times beat. Four times beat up more than last battler standing. And I've just done the same amount of miles. That's that's the difference. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. The iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing. The interior is built with robust materials and integrity, and the capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Durability has been tested to the extreme. Cargo capacity means you have room for all your gear. All this meaning to drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. And there's also powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system to keep you connected. And also the innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And the entire Defender family is ready for a wide range of adventures. They have the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. So push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast has helped me plan for my tax bill so I don't dread April every year balancing my budget for this show, and helping me financially plan for my next adventure. You can listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. You know, there's so much more that goes into to finishing this. Ground crew is important. You've, got, you've also got a number of locks and, and dams you got to go around portages how how challenging was it to navigate those or was that like a welcomed break you know what i mean all right sweet i get to you know get on my feet well for you you're standing up but you know what i mean i get to kind of get off and 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 do something a little different for a minute or two i tell you what i i think it it was it was usually a positive because it is a it is a break i mean these breaks were very few and far between you know it felt like 
this is a moment that you're you're getting one finally again. And I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be on my feet most of most of that time. I'd usually try to try to sit down, or we would hop in the car and 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 go to the the put in. Sometimes that would be the place where it was like, okay, finally, if it just happened at the right time, maybe it was the time you could take a nap. So the portages were kind of a nice break because it would be seven, eight hours in between seeing your ground crew all the time. You're going 40, you know, miles sometimes between seeing you anybody. So all of a sudden you're like seeing people and, and Scotty Trevino was there with commentating and, and interviewing us. And, you know, it just cheers you up seeing people because it's been grueling for hours. You know, hours of just just tormenting moments here and there, you know, like feeling like taking forever, you know, and, uh, and then all of a sudden you see people and they're cheerful and happy to see you and cheer, ringing the cowbells for you. And, and so that that's actually kind of a neat, a neat moment. Was there a moment that you felt like, I'm not sure if I can go on? Yes, I'll be I'll be honest. It, it was early, like in the. Waking up after two days of only sleeping maybe three hours, paddling hard all throughout choppy wakes and in the middle of nowhere sometimes and just two days straight of that. Like like I remember that 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 morning of day I guess it would be day three, waking up thinking, Oh gosh, you know, my my body is so inflamed, you know, like I'm uh and I didn't mention this earlier, but I was definitely taking Advil and a leave all throughout this thing, as, as you know. But that that day three morning, and I I'd, I'd come in to that portage. That was where I'd done that last that little twenty six mile leg, where started out sketchy, and then then the water got deep again, and, and it was just a long five six hours, and and. Um, it just felt like the last two, three miles of that just took forever to get to it. And the only place you could meet your ground crew was like going off course. I had to go off course like a mile or so off off the beaten path. It's not, there's no, um, uh, you can't see where your ground crew is. There's no way they could splash a strobe because there's too many little turns to see where you're going. So I'm constantly kind of having to look at, at, at my mapping and um, stop, you know, every quarter, half a mile or something. You don't want to miss it. And um, I may, may be exaggerating. It was a couple, it was only a couple of times I probably looked at the map, but, uh, and stopped what I was doing. But I remember just being so exhausted at the end of that second day that I got on that dock and I'm, I'm like, man, I can't, I could stand up and I've been standing, standing, standing and battling paddling paddling but i'm at this dock now and i don't think i can actually stand up and walk away from this from this little seating position i'm sitting there on the edge of the dock like i can't stand yet man. and uh my ground crew helps me up puts my arm around him like here basically kind of carries me walks me away up to a place you know i guess i think i had to use the restroom too and so uh, he he walked me to the restroom because I I really felt like I couldn't even walk at that point. That's how beat down I was after two days. And I'm and and then that next morning in my tent because the tent we pitched just happened to it wasn't 
intentional or anything, but it just happened to be like right in the sun. So I've like slept an hour and a half. I've only slept a total of three hours before this day. And and now the sun's hitting me. People are talking. I can't sleep. I'm really I, I I'm conscious and I wish I wasn't. And uh my whole body is like just can't hardly move. I, I remember trying to lift my arm, my right arm, and my I felt like my shoulder was was uh I was probably gonna have to, you know, what have I done? What have I done to myself here? You know, like I feel I felt like I was gonna need to go have surgery on my shoulder or something. You know, like I I that's how beat I was. I, I told my ground crew and Scott Bass was right there too. You know, I said, Man, I don't know if I can paddle anymore. That's uh how broken down and beat I was just you know, already two two days. And I've done the MR three forty and felt, you know, well it, it, that's a hard race too. But um yeah, so so did you just I, get back on the board or did they say, no, you got to do it? Like, well, how'd you get back out there? Well, I mean, first off, I, I get another, I, I pull my, I pull my little sleep pad. I stumble myself out of the tent and, and go, I don't even say anything to anybody. Maybe I mumbled it. Uh, probably I got to get some, get in the shade, took my little sleep pad over to the shade and I laid there and I don't think I really went back to sleep, but maybe I, Maybe I did one more hour and uh, and just just over off to the side. Yeah, slept another another hour and maybe took some Advil. I know I still got up from that that spot when I finally did get up, you know, probably a total of I'm thinking I slept a total of almost three hours that night. No, wait, no, that's still that's still just the second night of sleeping. I hardly I didn't sleep much. Maybe maybe it was two two hours, but. You know, the Advil must have kicked in, you know, pulled myself together. They're like, oh, well, it's only 20 miles to the next spot. So, you you know, and I, I remember them acting like it's no big deal, you know, 20 miles and thinking it. I don't know how I can do it. And the, I mean, but maybe after a little a little tea and a little more consciousness, I'm thinking, OK, well, I can I can at least make it to the next checkpoint. And I guess that's that's what you do you know you you kind of get going and and you start loosening up again and start start to paddle a little bit i remember after the first mile i i started feeling maybe mile and a half start feeling a little bit better and i got lucky with a little breeze the right direction had it been a headwind or something it might not have been a good thing in that moment but that that leg there was uh it was a pretty day the wind was kind of just light, but in the right direction. And um, and I think also I did hit a stub and fell in the water. And that and that woke me up a little bit more. <laughs> that was that leg, that one where I hit the hit the stump in the middle of the lake. I was starting to feel pretty good. And then it, you got a white it, stump will come out of nowhere. And get there. Yeah, man. So so. <clears throat> Talking about a lot of the downs, you know, the, the the challenging aspect, things that went wrong. What what take us through a moment or like a a day or, or just something you felt where things just felt so right. Maybe it was the scenery, maybe it's the way your body felt, or you know, the moments that uh, you know we as adventurers live for. Yeah, maybe it was the finish line. <laughs> you know what? 
and I hope I'm not sounding like this is just complete torque. No, too no, much. well, I'm but, asking about it, so it's it's really been my questions, but I yeah, yeah. So that's that's the the magic of of this whole thing. Why you're able to even do it and get back out there because the beauty and and this you know I've never unexplored territory. It, 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 you know, there were so many places where I. I actually just stopped for a second and took a picture, you know, like took a video. This is all throughout, all throughout the deal. Like I didn't just keep my head down and paddle as hard as I could nonstop. I would do that. But I mean, if it was like a beautiful something flower, you know, uh, on the side of a dock or like um, some of those caladiums growing on the edge of the river, I mean, I wouldn't do it probably more than a day maybe a time or two a day but but i would i would stop and soak it in i did i stopped for a second and took a minute and a half video like somewhere halfway in the middle of the deal and like in the middle of the the video all of a sudden it's like whoa there's a deer i'm talking about how beautiful this is and the experience and i was just a little bit in front of brad friesen at that point um so i i'm like the furthest anybody's ever gone on a stand-up paddleboard, that that feeling of, you know, just elatedness, you know, that you're doing something and further than anybody else has ever been. That helped me all throughout it. The experiences that you have, like the whole, the big picture is really just priceless. You tap into these things in yourself and in, in, in the moment that you're in, it, it, it's just, uh, I guess it's why we do it, you know? There's a high that you get that's, it's it's just like, not like anything else you could ever do. That's awesome. So how did it, how did the finish feel? Let's take us through that. Just the sense of knowing you got through that last 18 miles, it was so tough, but you're the first to ever do it on a paddleboard. That feeling of just gratitude that I'm, I've I've been able to do it. I've been able to pull this thing off and just seeing, you know, people like Sally O'Donnell, who's been an inspirational uh, friend of mine since we met in 2019 at the Texas Water Safari. Uh, he's there, Mike Malone, um, Greg, all the staff, all these people. You know, and it's just there was a guy from Johnny Ortiz from the MR from Missouri from the MR 340 group uh, who just was like surprisingly there. It, it was just really it was amazing. They did a live stream that was pretty cool. It's on the Alabama 650 Facebook thing group uh, page, but it was that that 15 minutes or something of you know everybody being there and putting a blanket around me and having me tell the story. And, and it was just, that was probably one of the coolest moments of the whole dang thing. That just that feeling like of accomplishment and being able to share with those few people, what got me there, what helped me along the journey to get to this point. Um, the people who inspired me, it, it was, a uh, you know, I'm, I, 
I mentioned everybody's names in there, but like Scott based, he, he taught me so much when we did the boundary waters challenge and on the Canada border portaging 40 lakes. And that was an eight day trip. Uh, Shane Perrin, good friend of mine in St. Louis that has kind of pioneered stand up paddle boarding, ultra distance stand up. Uh, he was the first one to ever paddle the MR340. He was the first person to ever do the Texas Water Safari, the Suwannee 230, the one in Belize. He came down from St. Louis and did my little race here in the backyard. A, a bunch of significant people came to my little race. We had 72 people, by the way. That was pretty neat. What's the name of it again? It's the Grand River Dam Paddle, Labor Day weekend. It's going to be the... For sure, Labor Day weekend, who knows, maybe branch out and do it like 4th of July, Memorial Day someday, who knows. But for now, I'm just going to keep it a Labor Day thing. It's showcasing, it's a good time of year, showcasing the, the, the little nook uh, and crannies that I, I train on, beautiful little bluffs. I'm excited to see that develop and grow, and maybe I can offer some some stuff here. Now having this little cliff property, I can offer a little little bit of, a, turn it into a repelling adventure and paddling weekend, you know, you can repel all the way down, down to the water in, in the back here. <laughs> Haven't done it yet because I've got to clean, clean the cliff and get rid of all the stickers and poison ivy and poison sumac and, and stuff. But you got to capture it when you do dive off or, or whatever you do off the cliff, <clears throat> maybe make a slide down there. Yeah. You can body on body or on your boards, take the slide all the way down. Yeah, definitely, definitely something. It'd be, it'd be neat to have a slide. It'd be cool to have one like that shoots out of the cliff, like a tube going through the <laughs> underground, through the ground, pops out about thirty feet above the water. Um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Definitely, we'll have a tree swing. Oh man! But that sounds incredible. Well, well, what is next for you, if anything? And uh, you know, I, I have a little insight into this, and then maybe something. Something else that's big like this that you might want to do. Maybe it's a race. Maybe it's not. Is there something you dream about? Like you know, one day, I want to do that. Yeah, on the horizon, I think the next thing I'm I'm looking forward to trying for the challenge is uh, the Texas Water Safari. Um, people that have done both the Alabama Six Fifty and the Texas Water Safari, some Bobby Johnson, Joe Mann, both of them say the Texas Water Safari is even harder, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 still over in a lot less time, but it's just quick thinking, um, you know, lots of log jams and, and you just got to make quick decisions. And that race is not as, as spread out and open. But that's something I'd like to do. I'm thinking maybe the Everglades. Everglades challenge. Yeah. Everglades, um, the California or not, not the California River Quest, the um, Yukon River Quest. You know, people people ask me, do you want to do the Yukon? 1000 now and, and it's like well i don't know honestly it, it's not people that have told me they've done both the yukon and the alabama have said the alabama was harder so the yukon is a lot more expensive to do so i maybe i maybe just do the short mini version they say uh they say it's just as breathtaking the views and stuff like that and that's really what it is about sometimes is the scenery the experience and stuff and the alabama 650 was all of that. So I uh, I definitely think people should give it a go. Again, it's it's a priceless thing when you finish it. The lap paddle standing, that's coming up in, in a few weeks. Yeah. How you feel about that? You you, you were the runner-up last year. Are, are you going for, for first? How you feeling? 
after doing this is like is this a cakewalk it's not a cakewalk i i definitely think it, it, it's a different kind of different kind of animal that's for sure it's mm-hmm. it's it's more of a mental mental uh challenge than anything and i guess i i never thought that i'd be a runner-up last time so honestly i, I thought if i could do 24 hours or 30 you know i was happy with that <laughs> That's really, that's how I go into this thing. And like the Alabama six fifty, I I did not think I could I could beat Brad Friesen with Scott Basis as ground crew. You know, like I I mean, or win that thing. I just feel like you you get in there and then and just go with it. You know, see how it goes. The big the cool thing about Last Piler Standing is that you're paddling amazing people every hour, the whole race, and getting to know them, getting to hear about uh hear their stories getting to share yours and so the experience is is pretty amazing in that regard yeah it, it, it was really neat to see that the conversations the it's a repetition of course as far as the route and your systems and whatnot so it was awesome to capture too it made it really easy to to be able to see things progress over time like how is this person enduring through the night or how is this person doing out there in the heat of the day who's not used to it it was really fascinating really looking forward to it this episode will come out right before last paddler standing and encourage folks to come watch yeah super excited to see you there yeah man i'm super excited i'm i'm super excited to see you there too and then also we've got some amazing people that are coming in from from other countries bruce ironsmith is going to be there he's He's a contender for sure. Bobby's doing it again. Trey Reeves is going to do it this year. Mentally tough people. And, and Bobby just did the Suwannee River and set a course record on it. So, yeah. Oh, gosh. And who else? Um, oh, well, it's just, it, 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 it's a bunch of cool people. I'm excited. You're on. He's coming back. He'll be there. Good to see him. Hope, yeah. That's it. looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to maybe even an athletic, uh, non alcoholic group. <laughs> They'll be there. They will be yeah. there. Hey, well, John, man, it, it's uh here. Last question I'll ask because I gotta go is uh, nippers flippers. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. My very first portage on the Alabama six fifty. We've only paddled like seven miles or eight, ten. I don't know. I'm on this. It's a walking portage. The very first step or two, my flipper. Or my uh, my my flip flop breaks, and um, yeah, I happen to have another set, so I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna take this one that I broke and use it, or maybe I switch. Maybe I did switch to complete the set. Uh, but anyhow, like yeah, five days later, or it was right after the rapids. Oh yeah, I it was on the rapids. I lost the other flip, the other flip flop, and so now all of a sudden. I've got one flip flop and one cut, one brand, and one's one, one's like a Quicksilver, and one's like a you know Cobian or something, and and so yeah, they they uh, they took that one and ran with it, but uh, <laughs> that's all. That's all. Some have said I should I should mark it. That was such a funny thing to watch. They watched the live stream. Did you did you watch some of those live streams? I wasn't. I would. I watched some. Not a, not a, all of it, but. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, that was that was so uh 
<laughs> yeah, man, we'll have to. You'll have to have a set of flip flops on your board or something out the last paddler standing. Well, man, yeah. I'll see you in like a month. Super exciting. I'm excited. I'm excited about that. It, it was it was such a fun thing for people to watch too. Like the people that don't get a chance to go, they don't have to even spend any money to fly out to, to Florida. I don't know, watching it on all around the world live stream. I think it was like thirteen thousand people were were piped in to the something like that. And a bunch who just were like staying up through the night. Why, well, especially as it got close, there were people taking off work and just like wanting to watch that final that final hour. It was it was it was great. But dude, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Mason. Thanks for having me on, man. No, oh, this is awesome. Great stories. All right, talk soon. Okay, buddy. Bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.